to Women's Health Weekly from Maiden Lane Medical. We bring you experts from all around the country to help you with your health, life, and happiness. Now for your host, Dr. Kenneth Levy. So good afternoon, everybody. We're looking forward to some to talk about some interesting stuff today. Uh, for those of you who joined us uh, the last time, uh, all 11 of you, thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to hopefully speaking to 12 people this week. Um, uh, we recognize that uh, this may not be the most widely popular set of topics. And uh, it's certainly a set of topics that we feel our patients and uh, women even outside the practice will benefit from. And we uh, we love talking about it. So um, we, uh, we did venture out on this uh, telecast. A plan that I think we're going to wind up doing for, you know, forever. It's a lot of fun. We're having a great time with it. We're really enjoying um, exploring some of the topics, and uh, we're really excited about getting some uh, amazing questions, which we've been getting um, from our patients. And um, that's uh, that's where we are. We're um, we're just an excited group of people, and we're all dealing with the same sort of change. Uh, in the world of working and living that everybody else is. And that's, um, that's a lot of fun for us. It's interesting. It's, that's uh, a change in life and a change in, um, a change in direction of the way we're, we're working. So we have Dr. Jeanette Davison, who is Hi everyone. here on the right side of your, hopefully on the right side of your screen. And, um, she's from, she's at home and I'm at home. Too, if you potentially couldn't tell, uh, Dr. Davison has been uh, working in our practice for what is it now? Like six minutes, seven minutes? Uh, six <laughs> minutes, aka six years. Six years. Six All years. right, I lost that. Yes. Um, and uh, feels like six minutes. Yeah, exactly. So um, fresh. Dr. Davison is has very quickly become one of the foremost. Um, experts in chronic pelvic pain on the East Coast and uh, gets referrals from all over the world. Um, well, she's a board certified uh, obstetrician gynecologist and is really thus an expert in in all things women's women's health care and um, certainly everything related to gynecology. As for myself, I'm just a simple country doc uh, trying to um, try to keep my uh, business open and my <laughs> <laughs> my, and my family safe and happy. Um, I also um, take care of women with chronic pelvic pain and uh, really enjoy what I do and really enjoy running the business. Um, and uh, now I have to, <coughs> pardon me, that's, that, I hope that's not coronavirus. It's probably my, my <coughs> it's probably my lunch. <laughs> so bear with me for a second. Um, so uh, yeah, I've transitioned my world into sort of working from home and um and uh having a uh having a different sort of uh change in venue most of the week i'm uh I'm like many of you uh at home working uh, as best i can uh, trying to do the best i can by the family and um, like many of you um sometimes we have to go into the office which is what i do but uh um, what you should know about our practice is that our doctors are in the offices and our doctors are uh, out there taking care of people and um, you know one of our I think one of our biggest fears and one of my biggest fears and I think that's echoed throughout the community of people who are experts in public health is that 
Coronavirus is not the only problem out there. COVID-19 is not the only um, diagnosable disease that exists in the world. People die of all sorts of other things. People get diagnosed with all sorts of other things that are picked up at routine visits. Um, and telling people they can't or shouldn't come to the office just because um, there may be some slightly elevated risk. Well, the, the, there may be the bigger risk, maybe not coming to the office to get your annual exam, annual follow-up. Um, and uh, we want to make sure the patients know that uh, we've kept our office uh, as safe as it could possibly be. And we really want to make sure uh, that we're able to offer you uh, the best care um, possible. Um, so, so, Dr. Davidson. Yes. What's happening in Casa de Davison? We're, we're good. We're both working from home, um, like many of you are, which is interesting. Um, and next week I'll be back in the office full time, which I'm uh, looking forward to, to say the least, after that intro. <laughs> Hold it. So, so in no uncertain terms, we all love what we do. We also all love our families. But too much of one or too much of the other is no good. <laughs> it's not good. And, you know, sometimes I've had those days at work where, you know, it was a stressful day and you wonder, like, what am I missing at home? And is this the right thing? Well, this has helped me reassure myself that this is it's the right thing for me to be working because <laughs> um, <laughs> being home is uh, has its challenges. No, it's great, but I think there's definitely a balance you realize that you you have and that balance has been uh lost a little bit now so i'm looking forward to going back so you miss some of the things when you go to work which are the things that you don't want which are the, the kids fighting or the screaming or not listening well conversation um, yeah so i felt bad i felt bad at one point many many years ago when i left my my dog uh, in my apartment and he was barking like crazy and I, I felt bad one because the dog was unhappy but two because I didn't want to annoy the neighbors <laughs> and the best thing one buddy of mine said to me as we were leaving the apartment was just let's just go let's leave you're not gonna hear it so it's not gonna bother you yeah. <laughs> so you'll yeah. feel like yeah. I felt good a couple minutes later so yeah the kids are still fighting and they're still misbehaving but we're at work so yeah. we're not gonna hear it so just just before just before we get into the me to the topic today and uh, have some interesting stuff to talk about. I just want to share uh, share some uh, stuff with you guys. Uh, we're uh, just like everybody else, very uh, uh, very uh, steeped, just like all other healthcare providers and healthcare organizations, very steeped into uh, the business of managing our um, business in association with how we deal with COVID nineteen and all the closures and all the closures around it. Um, and we really wanna make sure that um, um, people are able to, um, are able to enjoy um, the, uh, the world around them while still managing their lives in association with risk that they may have with COVID-19. So, you know, again, our practices is very active and uh, very enthusiastic about making sure uh, we do all that. Um, for you guys. So to that end, we're, you know, we've sent out a couple of announcements. We're looking to reopen our offices. We certainly want to comply with um, timelines and stay-at-home orders and proper precautions. And, you know, we've eliminated things at the front desk like our iPads, which are, you know, fomites. And by the way, fomites is just a big fancy word for something that transmits disease between from one person to the other and is inanimate. So a fo another example of a fomite would be 
um, our iPads. <laughs> our iPads are fomites. You, someone has coronavirus, the next person, next thing you know, our, our reception is, has it. So we've eliminated that. Uh, we've moved over to online check-in and online uh, co-pays. Uh, we're taking people's temperatures. We're, we're enforcing the mask wearing. We're enforcing traffic rules. We're putting people right in rooms. Uh, we're doing all the things that we can to make it safe to come to our offices. So we're really excited about getting reopened in the next uh, week or two um, as we realize that those those screening visits, those annual exams, those visits for things you may think now are minor um, may later then become big issues. And we certainly want to make sure we can uh, do our best to take care of them for you. Um, another in another piece of good news that has absolutely nothing to do with women's health but um, if we shut down and we realize 65,000 women who are active patients uh, will be without a group of doctors uh, who can uh, easily take care of them um, the the sounds like the SBA has now had approval for refunding the paycheck protection program which allows us to um, continue to operate uh, without it we are not sure we'd be able to so we're uh we're very happy about that uh so that's uh that's good stuff we wish it had happened a week earlier but i promise you i absolutely promise you i will not talk about any politics or my political views on this that makes dr davidson happy um i will not talk about politics or any of my heard it here there was a promise made <laughs> right, exactly or any of my political views i will keep it to the practice i will keep it to talking about how wonderful our doctors are and i will keep it to talking about women's health issues in general so all right so this topic has been on my mind for a for a pretty long time um many many years ago uh i thought it went when this is how old I am, um, even though hopefully I don't look it, but many, many years ago, um, I realized that the internet was um, a, how would you say, a, a pit, a, a swamp of misinformation um, that uh, essentially you could put any piece of information you want. This was, you know, this was literally back in like 1998. Um, and we looked at some uh, items on the internet that were general health items. Um, and realized that 70 something percent of them were wrong. We're just flat out wrong. It's not consistent with national guidelines or recommendations, or they weren't, um, they, they weren't consistent with the way good medical practice was being conducted at the time. Um, so I, I haven't thought about it that much over the years. Um, I've been busy with other things, but now that I am exclusively really doing nothing but taking care of, of women, um, it's then occurred to me again that uh, there's so much out there that we can talk about in association with what's good and what's potentially um, bad on the internet uh, in uh, women's in in the in the area of marketing to women. And by the way, in case you didn't realize, women make up 50% of the population. So <laughs> if you can actually, is it at 50.6? Don't women dominate the the, the human race? Don't women dominate human if, population? If, that's, if they don't, they should. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was funny because I saw, uh, forget, no politics. Hold it, no politics about the the fact that the countries with women leaders are yeah. doing. Did, yeah. you see, did you see that? The, the, Incredible the things, like including, I forget which country it was, if it was Iceland or I can't remember now. Um, like incredible events, like the, the leaders uh, hosting a session just for children, no adults around. No adults allowed um, to answer questions about COVID and address their concerns. Like just incredible sort of unique leadership um, 
in these countries. Yeah, but anyway, the, some of the some of these some of these countries report four to six deaths total from COVID. It's like pretty incredible. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, anyway, so why don't we talk about some of the things that that we understand and that are near and dear to our hearts uh, with regard to um, what's out there on the internet on the internet um, for products that are that are marketed to women. So let's just let's just jump right into it. Um, let's say just from a numbers standpoint. Um, 50% of the population is female. Uh, in America, that would be about 115 million people. Um, and among those 115 million people, um, how many do we think are premenopausal and post post menarche? And menarche is when you start. Is when is the the word menarche is a term used for the first time you have a period. So that's happens what anywhere between 10 and 12 or 13 uh, for most women. So. So what what percentage of that Jeanette, do we think are premenopausal or or actively menstruating women? Um, seventy percent, sixty percent. Yeah, uh, maybe a little less. Yeah, no, maybe fifty percent. So let's say there's sixty-two million women who are actively menstruating in the country. That means whoever's marketing products to women are who are men who menstrual products to women are marketing to. 62 million people which is a pretty good market to start off with um so what's out there so um what are the most common so i'm going to let you take over here because you have um a little bit more experience uh with menstrual products than i do um so what's out what's out there for menstrual products what are the options what are the options without um, getting bombarded with crazy marketing yeah so you're just your standard tampons or pads essentially um you know now there are a lot more options um that are not even so new anymore but a lot of patients are using um some sort of menstrual cup like a diva cup um was the original one um you know in terms of the uh just standard tampons they've been uh sort of marketed in all different ways um, but now there's a lot more branding and uh, talk about recycled or reusable sort of materials, organic materials. So let's talk about um, that. What, what, what are these organic materials and are they useful? I mean, are we talking about or plain organic cotton, Egyptian threads, like a thread count like you have on your sheet? What are we, what are we talking about here? Organic materials? And so I presume um, old tampons are like spun polypropylene is that mainly the, the yeah and i think that the idea here is just um like a single material like organic cotton and no you know sort of being assured that there's nothing added to the product um so there's that brand and we're not we're not uh being uh compensated by any of these brands so there's full disclosure oh, hold here on. i forgot to give the disclaimer <laughs> so the disclaimer yeah. is we're not promoting any product here. We can care less if you buy one or the other. We just want everyone to be safe and happy, and we want you to be healthy, and we want you to not come in complaining that X, Y, or Z product uh, is causing you problems. That's what we want. So no, so the disclosure that I meant to give much earlier was we're not being paid to promote any one product. We might mention a few brand names, um, but we're, this, is, this is just us talking as doctors. Um, so in any case, there's that, there's a brand called Lola, which you may have heard of, which is, um, I'm sure there are other brands, but marketed as this organic, uh, brand. And it's even, uh, carried in some, um, fitness studios, uh, oh, with really? sort of partnerships. Yeah. Interesting. 
um, like some of the spinning studios, I think. Um, in any case, uh, you know, I think that the most important thing, thing that I tell patients, not necessarily whether it's organic or not, I think, um, I think there is an effect that we see in terms of using scented products, um, scented dyed products. That's generally a no-no in terms of when we review vulvar hygiene and risks for recurrent vaginitis that refers to uh, bacterial infections like bacterial vaginosis or yeast. Um, I definitely see in my experience that some of these scented products are not ideal. Um, so I don't generally recommend that these products have to be organic that they use, but I do I do tend to tell people to avoid any scented products. I don't know so how why you would, so feel about I, that. I get the marketing piece to be organic. I get that there's some level of marketing shtick associated with use of the word organic. Um, we're glad they're not using the word farm to table uh, to describe tampons or products because <laughs> that would be really weird. Uh, the we're, we, we want um, to understand though, when you get organic, does that mean it has the same type of organic standards as for example, you would get in sheets? What is the, what is the um, FDA have to say about this? I guess those are topics we didn't really explore from preparation here. It would be really interesting. Maybe we'll pick that up at another, at another week to find out what the government has to say about some of these products and whether or not the FDA steps in when something is suboptimal. I mean, think about it. If you've got 62 million, let's say all 62 million women buy a particular product that the FDA has not said a word about or uh, that has something in it, and even 1% of those women um, and even one, and even one percent of those women don't, uh, or have an have an adverse reaction to it. Then there's going to potentially be a um, a lot of women who have vaginitis. So one of the important takeaways from this is that it's critical to be able to use a product that has been time tested, hopefully FDA approved, and to Dr. Davidson's point, has actually as few additives as possible. So organic, scent-free, dye-free. Uh, it's unclear to me why anyone would want a scented tampon in the first place. Typically, in our experience, adverse or unpleasant vaginal odors are associated with bacterial infection. And that's something that can be treated much better by your physician than with a scented tampon. I will say, though, um, sort of on the same note, yeah, I think patients are thinking that uh, a lot of these things that are marketed to them um, are actually helpful when, in fact, they may not be. Like, I think that using scented products, they think, as a way of being clean, um, avoiding any odors. But in fact, we actually see, and another example I'll give you in a second, but we actually see an association with with new odors that are, that are not good and um, discharge as abnormal and vaginitis with scented products, even though you think you're doing um, good by using these. And so similarly, patients come to us a lot using um, various products, that, which maybe we should include next time, like these pH balance products and soaps and Vagisil and wipes and all of these things, even though they're, they even might be marketed as, um, you know, to stabilize pH, they actually more often than not, Yeek. do the opposite. Yeek. Yeah, absolutely. So avoid right. all those things, despite yeah. the marketing. Right. We're, we should definitely do another week on, or no, another weekly, a weekly talk on avoiding some of those other products as well. So you mentioned the Diva Cup. 
Um, I have a lot of patients uh, who use the Diva Cup. Um, they swear by it. Um, there's another similar product on the market um, called the, there's a, a soft cup, it's called Soft Cup. It's a menstrual disc, um, which I also, which also, I believe, uh, focuses in on capturing, um, capturing blood so it doesn't come out and then you can take it out of your, your convenience. So what's, what's, what, what are your patients experiencing with the Diva Cup? Uh, seems to be very popular and, and I have yet to see any harm associated with it. Yeah. Um, so I think the idea here, and you know, we actually, we could talk about that whole, um, tampon tax and thing that, 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 um, politics, taxing politics. on these. Yeah, I know. I can't, we won't talk about it now, but, um, uh, the, poli the, idea the, politics there was, of, the politics of, of government of institutional discrimination against women. That's all other week. Yeah. A whole, okay, well, we'll save that. There's so much, so much material here. Yeah. Um, so I think the idea, you know, and in, in, uh, in honor of Earth Day when that this week, um, partially these products allow you to create less waste, right? And then also just in terms of expense, you have something that can just be reused, washed. So you're not going out every month spending um, whatever the dollar amount is on these products, which can be quite expensive. So, uh, so, so patients Diva really Cup, like so, these. So Diva Cup can be reused. Right. So it's not something you buy and you toss. No. It's great. I love that. That's awesome. It's so great. It's such a smart, such a smart idea. And it comes in different sizes. I will say that most, most patients really like it. Um, I think the two elements that are sometimes tricky are the fit. So I think some patients, um, sometimes have leakage if they have, you know, sort of not the right fit. Um, or if they have maybe too heavy a flow, although there are different sizes. But the other thing I, I will note, and I, I've been saying this for, you know, over the, over a year at least, I've been meaning to look into this more if there, or if there are any papers on it, but I've had quite a few patients um, who, who have IUDs, um, who use a Diva Cup, and probably more often than not, they have copper IUDs. Copper IUDs compared to hormone IUDs, copper IUDs are associated with continued normal periods, sometimes slightly heavier than baseline, where uh, progesterone IUDs, is, that's your common marina liletta, um, oftentimes are associated with very little bleeding or no bleeding. So those patients might not be using Diva Cups because they don't really have flow. But in any case, I've seen quite a few patients dislodge their IUDs. Um, you know, they have been using Diva Cups and they come in with some vague symptom, increased cramping, increased bleeding, abnormal bleeding, and I do an ultrasound, their IUD is low lying. A few of them have even just Frank pulled out the IUD. Oh, so I, oh. I don't know that this, there's any like product labeling. How and so the first couple of these, happens? I mean, I think cause there's a component of suction, right? So when they pull it out, you know, we try to leave the strings two to three centimeters so they don't become, you know, too uh, sharp for, for a partner and so that we can also retrieve it later. So they sort of sweep to the side of the cervix. But I think um, in some patients that suction, you know, just yanks it out so that's my warning I, i've i've uh, seen it enough times now where i've actually sort of discouraged people from using them if they have an iud but so i don't know that there's any sort of studies so to be no there isn't but to be clear putting in putting an iud in is not a small thing for a lot of women um it can be a very uncomfortable procedure even potentially painful we even have an experience with having to do some under anesthesia in the office um, so it's mm -hmm. not a small thing so and, and an expensive thing for the insurance company but that's not really our concern in this regard the uh so the iud comes out then potentially you have to put it back in but it's not so bad 
the worst part is that they may not have because the IUD is small, right? It's, it's a couple centimeters. Right. So they may not actually, with all the blood there, they may not actually have recognized that the IUD came out, and then they're having unprotected intercourse, getting right yeah. towards mid-cycle when they're most right. poten potentially most fertile, and or having, it's an lying. having an unintended pregnancy. Either one is is no good. All right, let's move on right. to uh, to some other to some other cool stuff. Um, hey, anyone out there who's listening, thank you for coming to join us. We really appreciate it. Um, we're, we're really excited to have these conversations with everybody out there. Um, so, Dr. Davison, you brought up something earlier, um, which was very interesting in our in the talk before we went on when we went live. Uh, we, you were talking about menstrual underwear. So just a little very brief conversation about menstrual underwear, and we'll go on to some other stuff after it. Yeah, so there's this new product that uh, I've had several patients give feedback on. Um, it's marketed as Thinks, um, and there she, may be other she ones. She thinks, but right? So I'm gonna put that she link thinks, up. Yeah. She thinks. I'm gonna put um, that link she up. Thinks. So, um, you know, it's come up mainly for patients in general, but those who I've placed progesterone IUDs where they have this, you know, we tell them three to six months of potentially abnormal bleeding. Anything goes, could be daily spotting, two periods in a month. And so from, for most patients, as long as you set that expectation, like with all things, they they deal with it and they're fine. And then, you know, the, the remaining life of the IUD, they have lighter or no periods. But those first couple of months can be quite annoying. And, you know, sometimes when patients are needing to wear panty liners daily, they can develop secondary vaginitis. Um, and so to avoid that, I've had several patients using these Thinx underwear um the website is shethinks.com um and they come in different sizes and uh essentially it obviates the need to wear a pad or a tampon which the bleeding is too light for and you can just wash the underwear so people people like those a lot actually so i've been starting to very, recommend them very as well. interesting so we've got the link up there to shethinks.com we won't leave it up there too long uh we'll kind of move on to our uh to our next subject we wanted to talk about some of the things that um are frequently marketed with regard to, and there's some confusion in this area, I acknowledge, the marketing's very confusing. I wanna talk about probiotics. And the reason I wanna talk about probiotics is because I think there's a lot of confusion around um, probiotics associated with what will, I'm gonna air quote, I'm sorry, I had to do it, I do, I do apologize. Um, I, about, <laughs> about probiotics um, with regard to gut health and then probiotics with regard to vaginal health. And I think that's sort of the big that's sort of the big area of confusion. So there are a lot of probiotics products out there. The first question then becomes, are so-called probiotics even necessary? Um, so I'm not going to even ask answer that question in a very clear way, and I'll tell you why. Because the probiotics um, that are marketed towards gut health it's really not my area. There are a number of different conditions. Uh, there's some well-done randomized controlled tri trials out there in the medical literature that suggest that certain combinations of probiotics for gut health are very helpful for various conditions. Not my area of expertise. But I'll tell you what is my area of expertise, is vaginal health. And I very clearly understand that. Um, and what's going on is that we see, at all, consistent, across the board, almost 100% of the time, um, that women are, it's recommended to women to use probiotics because they may have been, uh, may have had an association with um, recurrent or persistent bacterial vaginal infections or yeast associated vaginal infections. And someone said, well, go ahead and use probiotics. Okay, 
great. So what do I buy? Uh, how do I take it? Um, and I think those are two critical questions because what's happening is they're buying products that are um, gut health products um, and or vaginal health products, so-called. I'm like air. I'm sorry, I hate. Sometimes you just have to air. Sometimes you just have to air quote. So I'm air quoting this. Air quote away. Um, so there are products that are um, marketed as vaginal health products, but those products are um, not being um, given to women in a proper way. And I think there's probably some FDA restriction because all probiotics are marketed as, or have to be sold as, um, as dietary supplements. Um, Cause they're not medication. They're, you know, you see those commercials, they're not designed to um, treat, diagnose or cure any disease. Um, and they're not. Um, but under a physician's supervision, the, taking probiotics can can really offer you some benefits. So let's get right into it. Um, using um, probiotics designed to improve vaginal health and taking them orally, swallowing them, does absolutely nothing. All you're doing is swallowing the money you spent on those probiotics, and that's and it's gone. It's doing nothing for your vagina. Um, and that's been our experience and our patients tell us, well, I'm sorry, taking probiotics. Nah, it's not helping. Well, how are you taking those probiotics and which probiotics are you taking? Probiotics that don't contain significant amount of the various species of lactobacilli. Um, and there's no lay word for that lactobacilli, um, that comes in a, in a number of different, uh, subspecies, um, because yeah, so Penny said, yeah, but probiotics, it, was, it is expensive. And Penny, hopefully I can help you out and tell you sort of at least get you going in the right direction on how to use them properly. Um, so yeah, they're the vaginal health probiotics. Make sure they have lactobacilli. And if they only have one or two or three lactobacilli species in them, forget it. Um, what you want is at least 10 or 12. Some have 14. Um, the, the broader the range of lactobacilli species, the more likely it is that you'll that that lack that probiotic capsule will contain a couple that are native to your own vagina and that's what you want you don't want to change your entire bacterial flora in your vagina you just want to get back what you need and yeast infections and vaginal infections kill that natural flora so then how do you get it into your vagina last i checked last i checked and dr davison could confirm this there's no connection between your gut, in other words, your, your, from your mouth to your anus, there's no connection there to your vagina. Is that, is it no way for that to get from like mouth to let's vagina? Hope, let's hope, let's hope not. All right, right. <laughs> let's hope not. Otherwise, it's, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation, right? That's All right, we'll be seeing you for a surgical consultation next. Right, that's a problem. Um, so the, the, uh, this is very simple. I'm gonna make this as simple as possible. The easiest way to get this medication into the proper place is to put it in your vagina. Um, our recommendation in general, um, if you're going to use probiotics for the, for the specific purpose of improving vaginal health, um, and I might be putting the cart ahead of the horse here for a second, but I'm gonna tell you, is that you have to put them in your vagina. Now they come in a cellulose capsule. That cellulose doesn't necessarily break down so easily in the vagina. It's designed to break down in the gut but it doesn't necessarily break down so easily in the vagina. So where, how do you fix that? What, what, I, what we've been telling patients is to take a safety pin or a little pin and poke five or six holes right along the capsule, um, all around it uh, in multiple areas. It doesn't really matter how many holes you put in it, um, as long as it's enough to let the 
stuffed out and it kind of dissolves over time the, the cellulose capsule a little bit and then you get what you need in uh in the place where you need it um so the question then becomes why would you t be taking it in the first place or why would you be needing to do this in the first place um the first um thing to do is to consider that um you know when you have a yeast infection or a vaginal or a bacterial infection in the vagina the um it's not always so easy to self-diagnose now some women are very experienced with this some women have had repeated infections and they can tell if it's yeast or bacterial and they know but really the best thing to do before you buy an over-the-counter product to treat this is to get it diagnosed by your doctor because the over-the-counter products which we should we can also do in a whole other conversation can cause further problems and also lead to treating something that's not really that's not really there um we have a supervised have you used this regimen the the supervised uh what is it 45 day regimen of going antibiotics probiotics vinegar douches um periodically i know you have that that you swear by i probably use some version of it um i i swear, I, by, I, I, swear often, I swear by a lot of things so <laughs> yeah i more often treat them for whatever you know i sort of say first we have to treat the inciting infection with uh whatever i decide which might be a single course of something or it might be four to six months of something depending on what it is um such as metrogel and diflucan and then um i usually tell them for two months after their period to to use a vaginal probiotic as sort of a reset because not even just the yeast and the bacterial vaginosis wiping out the normal bacteria but the treatments for the which is what you're pointing to the treatments for those um vaginitis infections wipe out the normal bacteria as well right. Um, so, so I use some combination of what you okay. you do. So some so some agreement there. I like when there's agreement. Yeah, if yeah. You ask seven doctors <laughs> this question, they'll probably get eight different answers. Right, um, right, right. All right. So let's go. Let's put out there three products uh, that we know of that two are two we consider good. One not so much. There's one called Florafem. Um, there's one called Florafem. Uh, there is a, another one called. Um, Good Girl Probiotics, uh, which we like. And there is another one called um, Private Party. Now, I'm not going to get into why someone would call it Private Party. Um, but uh, that's what's out there. Um, private Party is the one we don't recommend. Um, and the reason we don't recommend the Private Party one uh, is because of the lack of... Um, lacto lack of enough species of lactobacilli or the lack of um the lack of uh um enough amount of lack of lactobacilli um in in each distribution i think private party only has one or two so here are the good ones florafem um good girl probiotics we like um private party i would stay away from um and uh then you could go from there so i was really excited at sort of to end with this particular product um and it's something that i that i came across and i thought it was so cool and Dr. Davison was like blown away by it. Uh, hold on one second. And then she brought up a Larry David episode, which I think you can either tie, I think you could tie everything in New York back to either Larry David or Seinfeld. Um, and uh, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a good thing. Because um, these days, uh, those were the good old days, right? Um, all right, so we came across a product called Go Girl. Um, and it has nothing to do with menstruation. Or vaginal health um, this has everything to do with um, urination 
Um, which again, another we could spend the whole time talking about uh, female urinary dysfunction. But this is not female urinary dysfunction. This is all about female urinary function. Uh, so, Dr. Davidson, maybe you want to tell us why somebody might want to use Go Girl. I think it's so cool. Um, <laughs> it is pretty cool. I, 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 you know, in researching this, we came across this uh, in researching this topic um, of different pro products out there. So essentially. Uh, I guess they market it as there's different reasons. One, it could be, you know, a restroom is inaccessible or, um, but another thing is some people might be recovering for an in, from an injury where it might be uncomfortable to sit down. I mean, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but um, so you're actually able to stand with this device, sort of how a man would stand at a urinal. Um, so it's that dream we've all been waiting for. So either yeah. you know restrooms not accessible or you don't want to sit on the seat. But caveat is you do not get uh, infections from toilet seats. So I just want to put that out there. We're not we're not promoting that myth. Right. Um, exactly. While this product is very exactly. cool, you should not be afraid about sitting on toilet seats. Um, that's yeah. not where you get STDs, and so yeah. that's still a myth. Um, but in any case, so it's a it's a device basically to avoid sitting. Um, and uh, you basically apply it sort of with a seal against yourself and it allows for like a neat stream without a dribble or a mess and you could stand up. Dr. Davison is so much more conservative than I am. Who hasn't come across, a, I, I don't even want to sit on a porta potty. I don't want to sit on an airplane <laughs> seat. She's totally right about not getting the yucky kind of infections in general from toilet seats. But I don't even want to sit on those seats. I'm a guy. I'm, my hygiene, like versus a woman's hygiene, is you know not even existent. But the the, <laughs> but I thought this product was so cool, so that so that you could just avoid having the displeasure of sitting on a public restroom seat uh, in the places where public restrooms generally aren't um, aren't that pleasant, um, such as uh, sporting events, stadiums. Um, porta potties at concerts or you know if you're hanging out at a you know I don't know a festival or something like that then those would be the kind of places where you'd sort of run across a porta potty where you might have to use that you might have to use so um, and unfortunately um, they're not always perfectly clean and I think that uh, um, using this product is uh, super nice and so you know I, we've kind of extended our time today um, we um, we want to do you have anything else to, to add to Dr. Davidson? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'd love to hear if, uh, you know, any of anyone has any experience with that, you know, we haven't just described with any of Look, these products. I just, I just saw it. a comment. I just saw a comment. Someone said, Go Girl is very tricky to use. Uh, it takes a lot of practice. If you don't have it positioned correctly, it can get very messy. Um, so that's great feedback. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, feedback. that kind of and thing is so helpful. That's what I would think looking at the product, but the person who you know, not having said tried are, some of these. Said there are other products out there that work better, um, and we would love to be able to put those up on our next live telecast to let people know what people came across that does work better than than the than the Go Girl. Um, I can't imagine now that that person's brought this up. I can't imagine that it's one size fits all, right? It, right. I, and maybe and maybe yeah. there are different size devices. I bet there are different sizes, um, different shapes, um, because there's no one. There's no such thing as a one size fits all here. It's impossible. Okay, um, fantastic. Um, we had a couple of other topics. We'll leave those for now. We can pick those up another time. Next week, uh, we have Dr. Andrew Goldstein. 
coming to join us who is really, really one of the world's premier experts um, in your vulva. Mm. Shouldn't say it like that. Outside your vulva. He's really one in of sexual the health, sexual health, premier experts in vulvar disease, vulvar disorders, um, sexual health sexual associated medicine. with yeah. uh, vulvar disorders. Um, and we're really excited to have him here <clears throat> um, joining us next week. And I know that he's going to contribute a lot. And I know that he's going to um, offer us a tremendous amount of benefit from a knowledge standpoint and offer our patients. We will send out next week uh, the... Uh, same set of announcements. Uh, I know everyone got a lot of people got a last minute announcement. We'll do that a little bit earlier next week. Um, catch us on Facebook, catch us on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. Uh, we'd love to see you back and we'd love to keep you in the loop. And once again, thank you, Dr. Davison, for taking the time to uh, join us again today. And uh, thank Thanks you, everyone, for your comments. They're incredibly helpful. The feedback's incredibly helpful. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.